0: Good morning. So good to see everybody. This morning we are picking back up in our series in Hebrews, so if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to Hebrews chapter 3. This morning we're going to be finishing up chapter 3 by looking at an urgent request that the writer makes here. Just to bring us up to speed, since it's been about three weeks since we've been here, if you remember that this letter was written to a group of Christian Hebrews who were Um, Enduring lots of persecution for their faith primarily from their own people I mean their decision to follow christ has has cost them dearly It's cost some of them uh, many of their friends. It's cost them their own family members They were being scorned and rejected ostracized and ridiculed By many of the people that they have known and felt support and security in their whole lives and, you know, at first, maybe it really wasn't that big of a deal because I'm sure they would have uh, thought that either A, that their friends and family would see the light and decide to follow Jesus too, or B, they would eventually get over their anger and welcome them back into the community. But time goes by and neither one of those things are happening. And so their unmet expectations would then breed discouragement, and discouragement would cause second guessing. Pretty soon you'd be thinking, well what if I am wrong? This is not turning out the way that I thought it was going to. I just want things to be like they were before. On top of that, you would have had those same friends and family members trying to convince you that you are wrong. And so they've got all these messages coming at them causing doubt and confusion. And so you can understand why they would feel tempted to go back to the way things were before when life was easier, when they weren't so alone and discouraged. And so the writer of Hebrews is, is writing this in order to encourage them to, to stay the course and explaining how Jesus is so much better than anything, that, that he is so worth whatever it's going to cost you in this world and We saw how he was explaining how Jesus is better than the angels and he was better than Moses. These iconic figures that the Hebrew people look to as these ultimate things. Before we look at the text today, I want to point out something in the last verse that we read. It was verse 6 of chapter 3, which says this. He says, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house. And then listen to this part. Whose house we are... If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. The if in that verse is an incredibly serious thing. We are God's house, God's people. We are saved if. The if is so important that the rest of chapter 3 is going to flesh out what that means. In fact, much of the rest of the whole book of Hebrews is meant to make the if plain. So let's look at this. We're going to start with verse 7 and go through the end of the chapter. So let's all stand together once more in honor of God's word. Hebrews chapter 3 starting in verse 7. He says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years therefore i was angry with this generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways as i swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest take care brethren that there not be in any one of you an evil unbelieving heart that falls away from the living god but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it said today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just asking, God, that today would be a day that someone here, God, remembers as a day when everything changed. God, I know that you have something in store for us this morning, and God, I pray that today would be a defining moment for someone, God, not because of the words that I say, but because of the miracle that you made happen inside of them, that you can change a heart. Lord, we, we give our hearts to you this morning. We lay them bare and asking you to do the work that you desire in them for your glory. It's in your name we pray, amen. Even though this letter was written to a group of Hebrews that, who lived more than 2,000 years ago and were tempted to leave the faith and return to Judaism, these words here are just as relevant to us today as they were to them back then because every one of us either can right now or will be able to at some point relate to exactly what these people We're struggling with if you're not in that place now I promise at some point in your life you will be that place where reality has fallen well short of your expectations of what you thought following Jesus was going to be like that place where you feel lonely because those who are close to you are are going a different direction than you are that place where the ways of the world seem to be a better option than what you are experiencing right now that place where you're so bombarded with messages that go completely against the truth that it's causing confusion and discouragement and, and you begin second-guessing yourself and second-guessing God. There are two groups of people that are alluded to in this text that every one of us in this building will, will fall into. You'll either be in one of these groups or the others and it has everything to do with that if I talked about in verse 6. It says, we are the people of God if we hold fast our confidence in the boast of our hope firm until the end. You may have noticed that it was repeated again in in verse 14 where he says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Every one of us will be on the One side of that if or the other. Some of us will hold fast our confidence and hope and assurance firm until the end, and some of us won't. I wish I could say that every one of us, everyone who is a part of this church, I wish I could say that we all will hold fast and hold firm until the end, but I know that's simply not the case. I really wish it was the case, and I'm going to keep preaching as if it is possible for that to be the case. And that is the whole purpose of the message today. I know some of you are probably thinking, well, how can I know for sure? I want to be uh, one of the ones that do hold fast to the end. So so how can I know that? Let's look at this. First of all, this is one of those texts that we can easily misinterpret if we're not careful and if we don't pay attention to what's actually being said. So let me just get us all on the same page here and want you to understand that this is not saying that we can lose our salvation. That is not what it means to fall away from the living God as he says there because notice that verse 6 and verse 14 are both describing a current state of being rather than a future state of being. Verse 6 says whose house we are, not whose house we will be. In verse 14, we have become partakers of Christ, not will become partakers of christ these are not if you do this then this will happen kinds of verses it's not i better hold fast until the end so that i will be a christian that's not how it works you don't become a christian by holding fast to the end it's like saying you are a southerner if you say y'all and "oil" instead of you guys and oil (laughs) Saying y'all in oil doesn't make you a southerner, it shows that you are one, if you talk like that. Look at it this way, if, if verse 14 says, we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast our assurance, then what conclusion can we draw if we flip that and say, if we do not hold fast our assurance, then what? We have not become partakers of Christ if you're following along in your notes there in the bulletin the first point is this not holding fast our assurance doesn't cause us to lose our salvation it shows we never were saved doesn't cause us to lose our salvation it shows that we never were saved and the writer uses the Israelites in the wilderness to illustrate this and to serve as a warning For what we are not to be like. They had been treated with great mercy as God uh, released them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And he demonstrated his faithfulness to them over and over again through miraculous signs and wonders. And for a short time it seemed that they were satisfied and, and confident in God. But when things got difficult, they complained, they murmured, their hearts grew hard. They didn't trust God and they rebelled and disobeyed, and the end result was that God prevented them from entering into the promised land, which was a representation of salvation today. The warning to us is to not treat the grace of God lightly, don't treat it as something that you receive to escape the Egypt of hell, but you aren't satisfied with it as guidance and provision for the rest of life. In every church in America this morning, and I hate to say it, but it even includes our church, there are many people who identify as Christian, but in reality, they're not. They want the mercy and the forgiveness of God, so they won't go to hell, but but they have hard hearts towards God. There's no real affection. There's never any stirring of the emotions when they are in the presence of God, no real conviction. And so they're just wanting the rest of life to go their own way according to their own desires. Everything is about them, just I don't want to go to hell. And on the outside, they may look like they've got it all together, like they are believers there are people who who know how to talk the talk they know how to go through the motions that that everyone else does so that on the outside it would appear that they are really believing in God that they are truly saved when it's all said and done those people will be the ones who did not hold fast until the end and it won't be because they lost their salvation it'll be because they never had it to begin with it was the same with the Israelites. They didn't lose what would have been considered salvation back then. They never had it to begin with. Because look again at what verse nineteen said. Said so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. It wasn't because they complained. It wasn't because they murmured. It wasn't because they disobeyed and rebelled. The complaining and murmuring and disobedience were symptoms of their unbelief. Look again at verse 12. He says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So the writer isn't saying, make sure you hold fast to the end so that you will be saved. He's saying, make sure your heart is right so that you will hold fast to the end. As I was studying for this message, I came across some statistics that just blew me away. Did you know that in the United States alone that every 30 seconds somebody dies from heart disease? It's the number one killer in both males and females. From the time that we all gathered in here to worship together this morning, 200 people will have died by the time that we leave here just from heart disease alone. It kills more people than all cancers and car accidents combined. And not just in the U.S., it's the number one killer worldwide in both males and females And it is no respecter of race, gender, color, ethnicity, status, heart disease. I had no idea. Hebrews 3 is talking about the same thing except the heart disease that it is speaking of is a a spiritual heart disease rather than a physical one. But the effects are just as devastating. I'm sure you've seen it just as I have a heart in someone that seemed to be so vibrant. And it seemed that their passion for God was strong, and on the outside it looked like they were following right along. But like plaque building up in the arteries, sin and the struggles of life built up to where that passion and that vibrancy were completely choked out and they fell away. American Heart Association is always reminding us of ways to prevent heart disease. This morning, I want to talk about the ways that we can prevent spiritual heart disease. There are two primary ways that are mentioned in this text that are listed in the notes. And the first one is simply continual checkups. Continual checkups. Verse 12 says, take care. The original word there means look, look intently, examine closely. And what you are to examine closely, what you are to, to look intently for is any trace of unbelief, any sense of this evil, unbelieving heart that could fall away from God if left untreated. We need checkups for the spiritual condition of our hearts, just like we need checkups for the physical condition of our hearts Way back when I was a lot younger, I was a boxer for about 10 years. I started in junior high, went all the way through high school and college. And at every tournament that I fought in, there was always a doctor there who would check every single fighter before we were allowed to get in the ring. And the number one thing that they were looking for was the condition of our heart. And so they would check our blood pressure, our heart rate. They would ask us questions about our diet and our family history of heart disease, on and on. And if there were any indicators at all that, that our heart wasn't in good health, then we wouldn't be allowed to continue on. And I saw several who got rejected because either their blood pressure was out of whack or their heart rate was too high or, or something. And the reason why they were so concerned about the heart was because the time spent in that ring was going to be some of the most intense, stressful, and physically exerting things that a body can can really go through. And all of those things combined in such a short amount of time could very easily short-circuit a heart that wasn't healthy. They wanted to make sure that our hearts could handle what it was about to go through that's why it is in, it is vital to examine the spiritual condition of our heart because there are things that we will go through in this life that are going to be very difficult From the loss of a loved one to tragedy, financial hardship, abuse, abandonment, betrayal, rejection, sickness, and disease. On and on and on the list goes of very difficult and stressful and excruciating things that we are going to endure in life. The things that Jesus said we are going to endure in this life. And if the spiritual condition of your heart isn't healthy, it's not going to be able to handle those things and will cause you you to fall away from God. And so God is telling us here in his word check your heart. Make sure that your faith and your trust in me is strong so that when those times come you'll you'll rest in the fact that I'm working all those things even those difficult things for your good and my glory. Make sure that my love for you is enough so that when you are rejected by others, you'll have my love to fall back on. Make sure that there are no idols that your heart is bent toward, whether it be your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your job, your bank account, your sport, whatever, so that when those things are suddenly taken from you, you will not be shaken. We need continual checkups to make sure that our heart is healthy enough to endure to the end look again at verse 13 it says but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin the second way we can prevent spiritual heart disease is by constant encouragement constant encouragement I've counseled many many couples who were struggling in their marriage and I wish I could say that every one of those had a perfect outcome. I would love to be able to claim a 100% success rate in every couple that I have counseled, but I can't say that. Some do turn things around and some don't. But what I can say is that I've noticed a very common trait in those that do make it and those that don't. The ones that do succeed And their marriage turns around and they even end up falling more in love with each other than they ever have been before are the ones who, in addition to that counseling, had other Christians who were walking alongside of them and encouraging them to keep going, to keep fighting for your marriage, don't give up, reminding them that if God can raise Jesus from the grave, then he can bring a dead marriage back to life. People just constantly reminding them of this and encouraging them. The ones that didn't end well were the ones that didn't have that and just refused to pursue it. They would meet with me on a weekly basis, sometimes for a, quite a long time, but had no other Christians they were surrounding them with to speak life into them and to encourage them. And I, was, I would try as hard as I could to get them to plug in and take advantage of the opportunities we have here to, to, to find relationships like that. But for whatever reason, they just refused to do that, and the marriage didn't last. You've heard me say it a thousand times before. God wired us for relationship. We were made to need each other. He designed spiritual growth to best be cultivated in, in the context of community, not individualism. Using the boxing analogy again, you know, the, really the most stressful and the hardest thing about boxing outside of the physical aspect is just the whole individual aspect of it because in that ring there is nothing but you and your opponent and so if you get knocked out in front of 10,000 people there is nobody else to blame for that but you it is 100% either way you either get win and get 100% of the glory or you lose and you get 100% of the blame and it's embarrassing Because you're not just losing a competition, you are getting whipped in front of everyone. You're getting beat up, and it's devastating. I know because I've been on that end of it a couple times. (laughs) There is no team to share the glory or the blame with. But there is one other person involved who is very crucial, and that's your corner man. During that fight he's the only other person you can communicate with between rounds and at that particular level of competition we didn't need a corner man who had a good eye for strategy and technique. I didn't need someone telling me what punches to throw and how to counter my opponent and what strategies to employ. I just needed encouragement. In between between rounds when everything in my body was telling me to quit I needed my corner man there to to say you got this you can beat this guy come on just one more round to go you can do this finish strong we all need a corner man in our life just like that for our spiritual walk When we go through struggles in life, what we need most usually is not more theology in a Bible class or or more techniques in overcoming sin or strategies for successful living. What we need during those times the most is encouragement. We need people who know the struggles that we are going through so they can encourage us to keep going, don't give up, keep your eyes on Jesus, preaching the gospel to us over and over and over again in order to encourage us. This is why I always stress so hard the importance of getting involved in relationships with your church family outside of Sunday morning worship because those kinds of relationships just don't happen in here. They happen outside of this service in smaller settings. If you are not involved in a life group, I strongly encourage you to do so. This past Wednesday, we met with many of our life group leaders for the first time since they kicked off at the beginning of the year. And there, we've got 12 groups that are going on right now. And just to hear what's happening in there is so encouraging to me because what I'm talking about right here is happening. In those groups it's the best way that i've found to get those regular checkups and constant encouragement my good friend kenny thacker who pastors a church up in prosper and he's preached here a few times before he got into full-time ministry he was in the music business um, playing in shows all over the country and and recording many albums and bluegrass music was was his deal and uh he still does some recording and it was during one of those sessions that something happened that he told me about that god used to just speak to him so loud and clear about this he said he was sitting there in that sound booth just him by himself with a expensive microphone in front of him and a a set of earphones on and uh, he was just sitting there waiting for the producer to get set up on the other side of the glass He said he's sitting there in that silence and he, he heard something, and he tried to figure out what that sound was, and he kept looking around and trying to figure out what it was, and he finally realized it was the sound of his own heart beating. That that microphone in front of him was so sensitive, it was picking up the sound of his heartbeat, running it through those wires, back through, and it was coming out through his headset. And he said, right there, the Lord told me loud and clear, you need an outside source in order to hear the beating of your own heart so the next point in your notes there we need an outside source to be able to to check the condition of our own heart an outside source to be able to check the condition of our own heart self-diagnosis is only going to help you so much because there are things in our heart that we either just don't see or aren't willing to acknowledge that we need others, an outside source to come alongside of us and point out those blind spots. I remember sitting in a, a doctor's office one day and I picked up a magazine and I was looking at it. And it, it had the, the, a picture of these different body types. It had a row of male body types and a row of female body types. And it started with very skinny in like 25 or 30 different Body, just silhouette of body types going all the way to very obese, everything in between. And it said they did a survey of, of men and women to, to identify which one of those particular body types best represented them. And they said, without fail, nearly every man picked a certain one that was on there, and it was always more buff than they actually are. <laughs> Every single woman without fail picked a body type. You know what it was, right? That was a little heavier than they actually are. It's just the way we see ourselves. We're not very good at self-diagnosis. We're not very good at self-assessment. And so we need others. We need an outside source to (laughs) bring us to reality checking your own heart without being involved in community is like going to google or web md to to maintain your own physical health all the time and never going to see an actual doctor the thing is if you're going to be in that kind of relationship you got to be willing to share your heart you can't withhold information if you want a healthy heart the problem is most of us are just really afraid to do that you know one of the things that i've noticed a difference in this between the older generation and the younger generation the older generation tends to not share their heart very much at all it's a mentality that believes that to do so is a sign of weakness or that thought that man i i, I can do this myself i got this i should be able to fix this myself which is a lie from the enemy the younger generation tends to share a whole lot but not do anything about it. They just let it all out there, and others go, yeah, me too, and then they just continue on without addressing it at all. It's this mentality of, this is how I am, deal with it, which is also a lie from the enemy, both of those lies to keep you from God changing you into what he wants you to be. Being a Christian involves ongoing life change and transformation. And that's how you know. If you want to know whether you're going to be one of those ones on the right side of the if whose faith will, will stay firm until the end, one of the biggest indicators is if there is ongoing life change happening in your life. Community is nothing but a waste of time if we're not allowing it to help us grow and change. Now, notice. That the author tells us when we need to get serious about this. He says today. Don't wait around. Don't put it off. Do it today. He wants us to feel an urgency about this. And why is that? Why does he stress today? Because the last point in your notes. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed Jesus even said this a couple times in some of the parables that he shared. Tomorrow may be too late and there is way too much at stake for us to procrastinate about this and to put it off anymore. So here's what I want us to do. Right now I just want every one of you to just sit there and close your eyes and listen to me for just a minute. This morning I believe God's mercy is here and it's at work and he loves us too much. He loves us too much to let us continue on in the current state that we are at right now. So I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to think about how you would answer these. First of all, what is the condition of your heart? Was there a time where It seemed your heart was more vibrant where your passion for God was higher than it is right now? If so, then what happened? What happened? Did a false idol come along and steal your affection? Did you encounter a hardship in your life where you allowed your heart to grow hard? Was there some sin that you stepped in started playing with but then it got its hooks into you and now you don't know how to get set free from that and how will you answer this if your heart remains in the current state that it is at right now can you say with full confidence that you know it is healthy enough to remain fast until the end I'm telling you right now, some of you have been trusting God's grace to keep you out of hell, but it has no part of the rest of your life whatsoever. That is not going to make it all the way to the end. This morning, today, God wants to change your heart. Will you let him do that? On the front cover of the bulletin is a promise from God from the book of Ezekiel where he says, I will put my spirit in you and I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That promise is completely fulfilled in those who put their hope and their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that promise can be realized in you today. And so I'm going to pray. And after I do, the praise team is going to play. And if you sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning about this and there's some changes that need to happen in your heart I want you to come down here to the front to some of these leaders who will be on these front rows and let them encourage you let them give you that encouragement that you need and to pray for you that the Lord will change it and that you'll remain strong that you'll turn from those idols that you've been drawn to turn to Jesus Lord I thank you for the grace and your mercy I thank you for your love for us that that will not allow us to remain in a place that is not your best for us Lord your love compels us to to change and to transform. God, I pray for those in here this morning who have only relied on your grace for heaven. They've completely ignored it for life. God, I pray for those who have been drawn towards idols. Whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or consumed with their performance their financial status Lord that you would give them a revelation of your love so strong that those idols just come crumbling down or those that have just had the hooks of sin in them so deep that they can't seem to get free Lord I pray that today it's when you pull those hooks out They'll walk in freedom like they haven't known in a long time. Where we just submit ourselves to you now and ask you to have your way in us, change us, and mold us into who we are in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.